nothing is premeditated just because it happened in the past does not mean it's going to happen again that future that you have that is a choice and saying this is what i want to be and this is what's going to happen and start living that today welcome to the more than corporate podcast i'm amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher if you're anything like i used to be You've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do. And now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest with me, Mighty Pete Lawton. He is the host of Fire in the Belly Show, Deep Genius Mentor, and a multi-best-selling author. He's also a TEDx speaker, mentor, entrepreneur, property investor, husband, and father of three beautiful girls. Pete's background is in project management, and property, but his true passion is in the fire in the belly show and his project. His mission is to help others find their potential and become the mightiest version of themselves. Pete openly talks about losing both of his parents, suffering from periods of depression, business downturn and burnout, and ultimately his year's spent not stoking that fire in the belly. In 2017, at 37 and a half years of age, that all changed. And he is now on a journey of learning, growing, accepting, and inspiring others. I am so excited to dig into this interview and to be able to have this conversation with Pete. Reality is so often we think of the entrepreneurial journey as being this exciting, happy, joyous place, which it is. However, there's always these other things that we don't always get the time to talk about. And these are the things that you know I love digging into on this on this podcast. So I'm excited for this interview. Before we jump into this, I wanted to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Design Your Life Book Club. The reality is that your level of success will rarely exceed your level of personal development because you can only accomplish what you have allowed yourself to grow, to understand, and to perceive and to be able to see in the world. By reading through the stories of other people, we are able to heighten our level of knowledge, expertise, perception of what's possible, be able to not only read those things, but also understand and implement them. And then I also introduce you to the author of every single book. So you have the opportunity to connect with amazing people who want to inspire others. If this sounds like something that you're interested in, please click the Calendly link underneath this episode and let's have a conversation about whether the Design Your Life Book Club is a good fit for you. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Pete Lawton. Pete, how are you doing? Fantastic to be here. Awesome. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and talk to our audience. I think that there's so much amazingness that you have to share. So let's dig into it. Um, <clears throat> I always like to start by finding out what it was like for you growing up. I think these stories are fascinating. What did you think when you're 12 to 14 ish, when we all think we have life figured out, what did you think that you were going to be when you grew up? What did your life look like in your head? So I wanted to be a number of things. One was to be a vet. Um, and then I discovered you needed quite good grades for that. And um, <laughs> in retrospect, I have found out that I was dyslexic and have ADHD, uh, which I only found out four years ago, which was probably labeled. So um, yeah, I mean, I was very much one for there's an entrepreneurial blood that runs through me. Um, I just enjoyed being out and about. I enjoyed creating and making things. Um, you know, school was something I had to do. But uh, yeah, as a, as a sort of slightly joke with kids, and because I do a lot of talks in schools here locally and saying, you know, I'm a dyslexic and a multimillionaire, you know, in terms of property. And um, of course, kids, uh, my point in saying that is not to sort of to to change their impression of me, but to say, actually, it doesn't matter who you are. 
um you know and it doesn't matter what you do of course all kids want to know is what car do you drive and saying well i drive a, i drive a van you know we, we drive assets so uh, <laughs> you know yeah i mean for me it was always about creating things and, and what's possible it always excited me that's awesome your entrepreneurial blood that you just mentioned did you have the entrepreneurial influences in your family or is this something that you just knew you were different it's there's pockets in in my family that um, of people who've done extremely extremely well, and it's it's that knowing. And I think like with anyone, once you get the knowledge to know somebody that you know has taken themselves from, you know, potentially either might be an education that's that's not fit for where they are, or they've managed to achieve certain things. When you start to see that, and that can be this is the point of anyone around you if they show you things or demonstrate that actually anything is possible well, then that does change your mindset because you start to think well if they can then i can you know and of saying this yeah. is possible and you get a, a ringside seat of of how you achieve these things so yeah i mean it's it's amazing to do that i mean we're very fortunate in this day and age that we get to you know we, we've never had so many opportunities with access to youtube and god knows all these different platforms and the likes of yourself here sharing some amazing information you know, so we get to have all these influence in our lives if, if we choose to, but it is a choice. That's the one thing you learn. Yeah, I think that that's such an incredible point is that so much of um, generations before us were raised believing that the world existed a certain way and there was no real proof to show them otherwise. And so there were these almost generational curses that went on where you were taught that there was a ceiling on what you could accomplish and you didn't have the access like we have now to prove that otherwise. So you're right with YouTube, with the internet, with all of the conversations that we get to have every single day is an opportunity for someone to show us a life that we didn't know was possible, which is how I got into the entrepreneurial space. I had no idea that it was possible to do the things that people do that I love now. Um, I thought that they were crazy. Like I can get paid to talk to people. Are you out of your mind? Um, and, and it's real. So I think that that choice is so powerful to seek out and utilize that information. Mm. Well, there's two sides, right? Cause it's one, somebody showing you what's possible, but also on the other side is, is basically understanding that what you're told is maybe also not the only way things can be done you know and it is a case of being able to say well listen we can do different things or you don't have to follow the traditional route i mean my father was a corporate man for 40 odd years and that was his thing it's you know when you join a company then that's you and you you do the faithful thing and you stay in the company and you do you know you go through the ranks and all the rest and you know, until I eventually got to the stage when when he passed away, I, I quit my job very quickly after that, you know, and listen, there's multiple reasons, but it was a case of saying, well, actually, no, I want to live my own life, you know, so I was very fortunate in my family's, but also realizing that his recipe was not my recipe. Um, and that's something that I learned and, and, you know, going through that, you know, you have to decide what's right for you. And that's, that's kind of what fire in the belly is all about. You know, it's, it's deciding what your passion is. What are you good at? You know, learn how you learn. Yeah. Um, and that takes strength, but it's what it does. It does take strength. I'm curious to know. Um, I lost my dad at a young age as well. I was um, 18 when he passed away. My brothers were much younger than me, um, but my dad was 42 when he passed away and I just turned 39. And there's this realization, the closer I get to 42, of how short my dad's life really was. And, you know, I've thrown around phases or phrases like life is short in my 20s and um, into my early 30s, like knowing that tomorrow's never guaranteed, but that hit that like tomorrow's not guaranteed gets more real and more real the closer I get to the age that my dad passed away. When did that realization hit for you? Was it was it immediately after the loss of your family of your parents? Was it before that? Like when did you realize that you get to make the choices that you want to make because putting it off till tomorrow isn't a possibility sometimes? Do you know what? It it took me seven years to probably get over the, the death of my mother. And I don't think you ever do. So my mother was 17, or I was 17 when my mother passed away. Um, and it took me seven years. I went numb. You know, literally it was, it was very, you know, and you know, it's, it's a very influential age. It's a, 
it's an unusual age and you know you're sort of becoming an adult and all the rest and probably the biggest shift and it's the same it took me seven years after the death of my father um to get over that so it's a bit pointless but i've now learned it takes me seven years to get over the death of a parent you know which <laughs> i don't know what i do with this information anymore but help um, others understand that even though their time frame is different right like unfortunately there's no magic recipe no and and you know what and and i I do say it out loud for a reason because somebody and I'll never forget in the graveyard, you know, when we were burying my mother said to me, it's like, listen, just take your time. You know, this will take you a year to get over this. And a year came and went and it's like, I was numb. I'm like going, nope, don't feel anything. You know, and I describe depression as almost like this, just this big bland blur, you know, you could win the lottery or the dog could die and I would react the same. It was just yeah. all a bit inconvenient you know um and that that was the one thing it's ironically probably only in the really in the last three years when i've now looked back and i used to say you know i've lost my mother and all these things happened and now i look back and saying i was so, i'm so grateful for my mother i'm so grateful that you know we had an amazing life yes it's unfortunate she had to leave early but in terms of what she did for us, in terms of the, you know, the life we had, the family, you know, the upbringing she gave me, it's like, I'm actually super grateful for her. And that's been yeah. a big, big mental shift, you know, because we focus, instead of focusing on the loss and what we haven't got, when we actually focus on saying, listen, this is what I had. I wasn't beaten as a child. I wasn't, you know, we didn't have any trauma or any, you know, issues in the family as such. So it's not just a, a shift in perspective. Instead of, counting down to you know here's what i could have been or here's what we could have had and saying listen but look at what we had it's beautiful you know, and that yeah. shift has been monumental in my life and looking at yeah, things that very shift was hard for me that shift mm. was hard for me too um the realization of knowing that i love my life and where i am and what i get to do every single day and also knowing that there's a very real possibility that i never would have taken this path or had the life that i have if i didn't go through the loss of my dad um <clears throat> or the loss of the others in my life that i've lost that's um it, it takes a little while to get over that gratitude because for me i almost felt guilty for being grateful for my life for such a long period of time, because did that mean that I didn't miss my dad or I was glad that he wasn't here? Like, how can you be grateful for what you have knowing that the mm. loss of somebody else created it? And I think that this conversation is so powerful for people who are still in that spot of how do I have gratitude and acknowledge that good things happen because of who these tragedies made me? Do you know, as you say that, Amber, there, it's, it's, it's amazing how in some ways to grieve someone for for too long or grieve them in that way it's almost disrespectful mm -hmm. you know because how many people do say you know it's like listen you know i love you i want you to have the best life you can possibly have i want you to create and do things and amazing things and be all you can be and yet when you look back and you're saying you're still crying over my loss you're still crying over what we haven't got and saying you know it's a hard and also a beautiful expression and saying is sometimes good things don't happen so that great things can. Yeah. And, you know, it might be that actually, you know, your father or my mother, you know, not sort of coming to this age, you know, or still being with me, you know, that, that didn't happen, but you know what I am. I'm, it's so great that actually I had that in my life. I had, some people don't have that. Some people would, would give their, you know, give so much in life just to have that sort of sense of normality or that support network, knowing that they were loved and they were, you know, they had it all there for you. So it's perspective, right? You know, and it's it's how you choose to, you know, life is happening for you, not to you. You know, and I was always the, you know, per me or, you know, why is, why is this happening to me? And now I'm like, do you know what? I've learned so much. Yeah, I've created things and things are different, but I get to be, I get to choose, yeah. I get to do these things. And like, what a choice. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is, it is very, very empowering when you get to that point. Um, when I started going down this um, business owner, entrepreneurial world and, and getting into that mindset shift of what 
you have to be willing to embrace to be successful in the uncertainty of basically life. Um, my coach has this amazing saying that um, choice is a powerful thing and suffering is always optional. And that just when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like I can't control anything that's going on right now, but mm -hmm. I get to control whether I suffer or not. Like I'm the only one that gets to control whether I suffer. Yeah, it's it's so true. And I think we can, there's so often we can live the past and the future. You know, and this is something we do as humans. I think a lot of humans whereby this happened to me, therefore my future will be this. Yes. It's like, no, you've chosen that. Your past does not have to equal your future. Your yes. ideal way to live, in my opinion, is to visualize your future and choose to live that today. And that's a that's game changer if you, when you understand that, you know, because nothing is premeditated. Just because it happened in the past does not mean it's going to happen again. You know, that future that you have, that is a choice and saying, this is what I want to be and this is what's going to happen and start living that today. You know, so many people write themselves off or they, they think that their life is, you know, because of one thing, you know, it, it causes another. Well, I, I do also say that, you know, sometimes from your, your sort of greatest loss or your greatest, you know, sort of darkest point in your life can come the brightest moments if you choose the right options. You yeah, know, and absolutely. it is that it's saying, you know, yes, these things have happened, but they happened for me. And as a result, I'm going to make the most of what I have. You know, you were talking about the age there. It's like, well, that that makes it, that becomes a non-negotiable for me. I'm not wasting time. I am not yeah. sort of, you know, I'm going to make every moment count. I'm going to serve. I'm going to love. I'm going to connect as much as I possibly can, you know, because things do happen and that's okay too. Yeah, absolutely. There's something else that you said that I think is um, super important to touch on. And that's the idea of trauma, of <clears throat> trauma of all time types um, as we grow into adults and business owners and entrepreneurs is that we look at other people's lives and we say, well, because I wasn't beaten as a kid and because I had both of my parents and because of, you know, this great childhood that I have, then who am I to share my story and who am I to mm -hmm. talk about trauma and who am I to do this? Um, because, I, you know, I have all my limbs and they all work and I don't have this big, huge survivor story. And as powerful as those recovery and survivor stories are, 99.9% .9 of people can't relate to what that's like, but they can relate to this conversation. So when you work with people that say, but who am I to? Hmm. What is your response to that? I call it the disease of okay and good. You know, when someone says to me, how does that feel? Yeah, it feels okay. You know, how are you doing today? I'm good. And it's like, that's as bland and disrespectful as you can get, you know, and, and that is the problem. You're right, because they don't necessarily have the contrast, the contrast that my left leg fell off, therefore I'm driven to do everything at twice the speed on my right leg or whatever it is, you know, and trauma comes in every shape and form, large and small. And I'm not belittling it by, for one second, but I am also saying that there is this strategy when people look back and saying, I, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't, you know, my life has been fantastic compared to Bob or Mary or whoever, you know, and they actually fall into this, this, this sort of trap where they start catching themselves. What I would say to anyone is whenever you're saying things are okay, well, that is, you're not living in your passion. You know, it's like, well, how does that taste? Okay. It's like, you know, it doesn't taste fantastic. You know, everything in my opinion in life should be hell yes. Or no, you know, it yeah. should hit one of those two decision gates and saying it's either got to be something that really flicks your lights on and really gives you passion or else you say, listen, I don't know, it just doesn't do it for me. And that's and that's OK. You know, um, yeah. it's just really trying to trying to get past that and say, listen, be absolutely unrelenting in your success and your opportunities of what you have. You know, and, and listen, just because you've had a great background doesn't mean that you can't do better and there can't be more, you know, and that's the exact reason why you need to do more and have more. Yeah. You know, it's that, that line between being grateful for how amazing your life is and has been and all the positive things that you have, and also being understanding of the fact that 
trauma exists in so many different ways and that everybody can relate to that. And, and so I, I love your okay example. And I'm smiling a little bit because I just started going down this health journey. And I remember probably a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, I was ordering something at a restaurant and it was definitely not going to support my health goals. And I remember thinking like, if I'm going to give up the forward progress on my goals, it mm. better be fantastic. Like this better be the best tasting cake that I've ever had, right? If I'm going to give up my goals but I've never thought about it in life with time, right? If I'm going to give up my time, if I'm going to share my energy and my space and it, with somebody or something, then it should be the most powerful and positive and, you know, exciting thing. And if it's not, then why are we in that okay space? I've never thought of that before. Mm. No, totally. It's, it's, it's trying to decide, you know, what is there and, I often think, you know, people are so busy trying to get a sense of themselves. Uh, and this is where I do a lot of intuitive work, but that sense of themselves. If you don't have a really clear view of the horizon, you know, of what you really want and, and what lights you up and your passions, where you're going to be, you're always going to be influenced by stuff going on around you. You know, should I do more? Should I do less? He's doing this. She's doing that. Whereas actually, if you're too busy sailing your own ship and saying, listen, I'm going from here to that, you know, sort of far yonder distance, um, there's never been, you know, there's never as much drive as someone who has that passion, who has that direction, who has that want, that need, you know. And it's also understanding that, you know, with any, whether it's food, whether it's cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, whatever else it is, you know, if you try and actually, you know, if you try and change yourself by removing that and saying, listen, I, I must stop um, smoking cigarettes or I must stop drinking all the rest, there's no passion, there's no drive there. In fact, the body's going, the body goes into crave mode and saying the instruction in, in here is loss. The instruction is lack, you know, take this thing away. Whereas if you say, listen, I have goals that are so huge and wonderful and amazing and it's going to achieve certain things for me and my family and all around me, well, the habits that I have today, I can continue them if I wish, but I know that they're not going to contribute to the big goal. So my choice is now going, do I really want that big goal or do I want to continue this habit, you know, that's temporarily or gives me this, this small fix. And when you're that passionate and I say, you know, when you're goal setting, it should be, you should be able to taste it, smell it, see it, touch it, feel it. You know, it yeah. should be that, that visualization should be that strong. And then if someone says to you here, would you like me to come and sabotage your goal? You're saying, absolutely not. I am crystal clear. I'm going from here to there. I have passion. I have focus. I have an intention. You know, do you want to knock me off my path? No, I'm not going to let you do it. Yeah. So suddenly that's totally different energy to saying, please give up this bad habit or why. Yeah, you know? yeah it is. And, and I love that that reframe on it for sure. I think also the other thing too is those bad habits or, or not even necessarily bad. I don't think there's any bad habits. Those habits that don't support our goals. Um, they're normally like we hold on to them because we don't know what it feels like to not hold on to them. And so we mm. think like, how could I possibly have the life I want to have without this thing, but we have no idea what that actually feels like or looks like. And once we get rid of it, we realize how great we feel and how happy we are and how um, much of a almost burden and that, that feeling where you can just, you know, if you've ever stepped out of a situation where um, you've been struggling with what to do for so long and you finally make a decision and you, st decision and you step out, you can literally feel weight come off of your body. You can mm -hmm. feel pressure come off of your, off of your body. Um, and we hold on to those things so much out of fear and comfort. Totally. A very good mentor of mine, you know, he, he talks about it and there's a process called reclamation. And it's something that, you know, I've sort of enveloped into, into my own sort of mentoring and going through. But what essentially it is, is saying we need to get everyone to the point, and especially when people are on this conveyor belt of life and they're okay and they're good and all the rest. The problem is we need to either bring them contrast or we need to sort of clear the page, so to speak. You know, we need to give them a fresh start. So 
we do all carry this baggage of saying, well, listen, I'm okay with this or yeah, you know, I should do something different, but whatever. By actually sitting down and saying, what are all my fears? And this is hard to do. It's not, I mean, it's as hard as you choose it to be. But in terms of sitting there and saying, I, you know, uh, I am an anxious person and that's okay. It sounds really bizarre or I'm a jealous person and that's okay. By actually going through and pulling out all these traits and saying, listen, I'm okay with that. I'm going to accept that that's part of who I am today. Now that may change, but instead of denying myself or saying, no, I'm not that person or I'm really good. I'm going to manifest and I'm going to chant here and saying, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And ignoring this sort of elephant in the corner. However, and I, and this has always been an argument of mine is saying, if you could do nothing more than to remove the things that hold you back in life without even having a single goal, it would be life-changing beyond belief. So to remove all those things that saying you're this, you're that, you're, you know, you should have been, you could have had, you know, why didn't you do this? The guilt, the shame, all these things. If you did nothing more than remove that, it would change people. So if you can do that along with goal setting, so to reclaim who you are as a person, you're, everyone is a beautiful, beautiful soul. We're all capable of so much, you know, but yet we carry a story for a reason. We carry this belief for a reason, you know, and just bear in mind, we choose everything. We choose the bad stuff and we choose the good stuff. Yeah. And people are saying, well, I, I don't change. I don't choose the good stuff or the bad stuff. Sorry. Why would I do that to myself? That's going, that's a very good question. What part of you is getting fueled by doing the bad stuff? Is it proving that somebody said you were not a good person? Is it proving that, you know, you were, you know, you're never going to be this person. That's all you're doing. You're proving it to yourself. So you've chosen the bad and you've chosen the good. So everything in your life is a choice. And when you get that into your head and you start to realize that, that'll shock you to your core and saying, if I can do that, then my future is a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Part of what led me down this road is I started to suffer from pretty severe anxiety and and panic. Um, And that's what started to shift me out of wholly in the legal profession. And I remember, you know, the first time that somebody talked to me about what anxiety really was. And I was telling them, you know, this, all this bad stuff that was going to happen. And they're like, yeah, but what if it didn't? Like, what if it was good stuff that happened? And I was like, well, now you're just making stuff up. And they're like, well, aren't you making up the bad? Like, <laughs> you know, you're you're creating this story for yourself. But for some reason, we wholly accept that bad things will happen. And mm. then we push back whenever anybody says good things will happen. And that is the biggest shift that I think a person can make is just like you just said, accepting the good with the bad and acknowledging that they are equally possible. And as soon as you acknowledge they're equally possible, then it's almost like the good rises up to more likely, um, which is so crazy the way that the universe works. Like as soon as you stop focusing on everything that could go wrong, all of a sudden all this good stuff starts happening. Do you know, it, it's so true. And I am a big one for language. That's, that's one of the things between feelings and language. It's, it's something that I would, I would do a lot of. And you know, you described yourself there and as as we all generally tend to do and saying, I am anxious and saying, well, I would argue that that's not true. I would say you are feeling anxious. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, you are not anxious as a person. You know, it's like, I am feeling happy. I'm feeling sad. You don't say I am sad. I am, you know, we, we do, we try to personalize and say it's us, but when we try to say is no, at this point, so if I was, I am sad, then you should be sad in every part of your life. Yeah. And you can say to someone, so you never, you never feel happiness. It's like, well, if I, you know, I don't know if I, somebody said hello to me, I would feel happy for a minute. So it's like, so then <laughs> you're not the definition of sad. So that's not true. Yeah. What is true is that you are feeling sad at this time. So when we start to compartmentalize this and saying this, let's not do a mass generalization saying I am anxious. We need to boil it down and saying that certain things are making you anxious at certain times of the day because of certain reasons. And when you start to actually pull that down, you almost remove this label from yourself and saying, I'm not anxious. 
there's certain things at certain times make me anxious and that's okay. We can work with it. I'm accepting that that is the fact today. And I'm accepting that actually we have choices because you can change your past, by the way. Yeah. You, know, you can change your past in so many ways. But choosing to just say, listen, that's who I am. Instead of trying to say, well, listen, no, I'm, 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 I can't admit that. Well, listen, what would happen if you did admit it and say, well, actually, it's not who I am. It's what I'm feeling. Yeah. And if I'm feeling that, then I can feel other things too. You, you beautifully said it and saying, well, I am feeling anxious and that's okay. But also sometimes I'm also feeling really happy and that's okay too. Yeah. So we're now saying we are both things. We are not one emotion or other. We get a range and a choice to, to go with. Yeah. And, and I love that you brought that out because I have this conversation often and I have to preface this. The attorney in me has to preface this by saying I'm not a doctor. Um, but I, um, I get so frustrated when people say I have anxiety or I have panic attacks or I have this because many times um, while those things do exist, what they're feeling is human emotion that we for so long were told was not okay to feel and not okay to talk about and not okay to experience. And so we labeled it instead of just acknowledging that like anxiety and panic and sadness are human emotions that we get to feel and work our way through. Now, the clinical definitions of those things do exist. I just feel that they're so overused in so many inappropriate situations so that people don't have to face the fact that they are feeling certain things at particular times. Hmm. It's, I mean, I, I lose track of how many times I do a lot of intuitive based coaching and, and that is, you know, sitting working with people and, and people sort of going, what's this all about? You know, and yet we are sort of going through their feelings, their intuition, and we are looking for people to be more intuitive. And it is the fact that they've been labeled all their lives or they're, you know, there's everything that's been going on. And it's like, you know, and it could be trauma, it could be anything else, but I, I see it as like, you know, people talk about layers of an onion, but I see it more like an, a big elastic band ball. You know, it's like one of these ones that wins the Guinness World Record. It's huge, <laughs> right? You know, and, but this is like every trauma, every belief, every funny look, any sort of back comment that you've overheard or listen, all these negative feelings. It's just like keeps wrapping it round and round and round and just gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And this, you know, the bigger it gets, the more whelming and you're trying to drag this thing around. So each time you're also going through, and believe me, that's that's probably started from the day and hour you were born. Every time you're out of alignment, then you get this. Well, if I'm not this, then I must be this. Yes. You know, if I'm not perfect, then I must be imperfect. If I'm, you know, if I'm not cute and cuddly, then I must be something else. And so this whole comparison, because when when there is no comparison, no resistance, then we don't see it. We only see it when there's resistance or, you know, in congruency it's not a sort of a red pill blue pill situation and you're one and done it's a case of going listen we're going to strip this back and strip this back and keep going and keep going and keep going and then sometimes when you can ping off that elastic band or that layer well then it loosens up another and it loosens up another and next thing you're sort of starting to unravel much quicker and faster and you gather this pace until you eventually get to the point and realize that actually it's you that chose for it to be there and when you realize yeah. it's your choice you can just let the whole lot go and that's a beautiful beautiful moment when we get that yeah absolutely so you have this book be heard to be rich listen to your inner genius which i love that title so much mm -hmm. um what was the driving force behind this and what does listen to your inner genius mean the driving force behind the book was so we, we have done over 250 podcasts we've done about 400 interviews and um it was almost the prequel because people keep saying to me, you know, it's like, how do you come up with your questions? How do you do this? And we end up, I just, my first, um, you know, my first requirement is to whoever I'm speaking to. And I just love to have a, a deep conversation. You know, I think it's, you know, it's a bit like here, we, we just get to be who we are and that's the main thing. And it, it came about from that and saying, could you describe how you listen to your inner genius? Can you describe what that would mean? And the whole point being is when you are hurt, there's so many people in life aren't hurt or we don't hear ourselves. We're trying to, we're too busy trying to please somebody else and their pleasing then gives us energy. And then that makes me feel okay until they stop 
accepting or pleasing or they stop you know giving us that praise or feedback then suddenly you realize that actually you know you realize it's it's actually got to come within so the point of listening to your, your inner genius is that there is a there's a there's a common thread i found with successful people and you know people that can actually sit down and and who are in congruency in their life who are passionate about what they do and it came down to one simple question i would ask yes and and simply it was do you like yourself and do you love yourself and it sounds like a very simple question but all of the interviews that went live and came through and people that i would deem as very successful and very you know passionate and outgoing and, and open people the answer is clearly yes and those that couldn't answer the question or didn't or thought it was awkward or weird are the ones that would answer no and that would be parts of incongruence in their life so in writing the book what i wanted to do was actually sort of help people to have a bit of a you know a how-to guide what do you listen for you know there is as much energy in a pause as there is in the words that are used either side of a pause you know it's in the eye contact it is in the you know giving the space you know allowing people to talk allowing people to you know what they do the language they use the i the we the me you know i listen to that very carefully when when you know when someone says to me part of me wants to do this and part of me wants to do that you know it's it's a real telltale that actually part of me wants to go on have fun and do whatever but then the other part of me wants to do this because i'm told that if i'm a good person then i'll study for this exam or i'll i'll do my normal job and i'll, I'll not act out you know you have this real contrast well as soon as someone says to me part of me or i want to do this but maybe you know myself or me i probably want to do something different and it just shows me this parts of their life so all I'm trying to do is encourage people and say, listen to your inner genius. Believe me, inside of us, every one of us. And I do believe that. If you are alive and have a beat in your heart, you have a fire in your belly. The question is not whether you have a fire. The question is how big and are you leading with that fire? So when you lead, you know, basically are led by that passion, you're led by your inner genius. And you've got to listen to it. And I talk about it as like almost the whisper that you get in the shower or this moment of insight or, you know, it's in weird and wacky moments that you come up with these great ideas. We all do it, right? We all say, God, that was, I don't know where that came from. It was almost like, I just felt that this was the right thing. Yeah. Because I, I do believe, you know, the thinking or knowing is the, con is the, is the language and the communication of the ego. You know, mm -hmm. thinking is the language or the communication of the, the conscious mind. But when we get to feeling, to me, that's the language of the subconscious mind. And when we get to sensing, that is the language of the soul. Ooh. You know, it's when someone says, I had a sense that was going to happen, or I had a feeling, you know, that I need to do something different here. And, you know, if we, if we did nothing more than lived our lives by the feelings that come from within us, our lives would change, you know, irrevoc irrevocably, you know. So yeah. that's what the book was about, to inspire people to just listen to themselves. I love that because as somebody who spent so much of my life out of congruency and chasing things that I thought was going to fill that mm -hmm. hole, you know, it's interesting because my mom and I have historically not had an amazing relationship. We have a great relationship now. And the moment our relationship got better, was the moment I realized that she could never love me enough. She could never care for me enough. She could never be proud enough of me to fill the hole of a lack of those things within myself, right? And so that external validation that you were just talking about, where people um, work to please others, there's no amount of acceptance from this external that will ever make you feel whole. And the moment I realized that mm -hmm. and started to fix that hole within myself was the moment that every single relationship in my life got better, including my relationship with my mom. But there's something else that happened. And this hits directly on what you were just talking about. That conversation with that person in my head that I had been refusing to talk to because I had been letting all these external forces shut out that inner voice or the inner genius, as you call it, um, 
it was like letting a puppy out of a closet for the first time. Like all of a sudden, this voice is so happy to be heard and all of these things that it's been wanting to say to me my whole life are being said. And, and you get the opportunity to listen and you feel what it's like to be congruent with what you're doing for the first time. And the moment you feel that, it is almost impossible to be okay feeling anything other than that. It's, you know, it's, it's so beautiful to have that realization, you know, and it's it's explaining to people as well that that voice in your head is not you. You know, people don't get that. They're like, I, you know, people say, I don't have voices in my head. And saying, well, <laughs> who's that that just spoke to you? You know, is yeah. that, that little voice? Well, to me, that's it's all e ego. This is you know, and the ego for me, it's 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 everything. It's like it's the judge, the jury, it's the you know, the executioner, it's the it's the it's it's everyone. And that's the ego is playing at the good side, the bad side, the good, the bad, the you know, the good angel, the bad angel. The sense of who you are is 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 behind all of that. Yeah. It's the space that all the ego sits within. And when you realize that, you know, and, and I you speak to a lot of people and they're saying, you know, my mother and my father was this or this happened in our childhood. And sometimes when you just say to them, it's like, do you know why they were like that? And it's a weird question that people don't get at first. And you say, well, well what do you mean? They're just a bad person. And so, well, generally people aren't bad. It's because of something that they have, they do what they, and quite often they think they're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's controversial. And, and then, um, conversation with god neil donald walsh talks about it and saying hitler was doing what he thought was the right thing you know yeah. so theoretically he was doing and, and he was fulfilling his purpose as far as he was concerned now i'm not for one second obviously saying this, <laughs> is, there's anything right about it but this was almost the argument saying listen you got to bear in mind that everyone is living their truth as they think mm -hmm. it's right the problem may be that they just have a weird really weird scale or you know, their parents did this to them, so this was seen as better or this was the right thing to do. And therefore, you know, that's the best way to bring up my child. So I'll repeat the actions or do these things. So it's these things just, you know, it's habit. And, you know, people don't always take the time to go, is this the right thing to do? It's like, well, no, this is what we've done. You know, my family did this, my mother did this, my father did this, and this is what we always do. So why would you possibly want to stop that? You know, yeah. the same with the language and voice in your head. You know, you are this, you are this, you are this. It's like, but but what if I'm not? Yeah. You know, it's like when you ask somebody a question um, that requires a deep, honest, transparent answer that they don't want to say. And you can see the moment that that voice starts talking in their head and they start questioning what's going to come out you know, so we know you ask somebody a question and we know what the answer is. And then all of a sudden you hear, wait a minute, is somebody going to judge me if I say that? Oh, I can't say that. That's stupid. That could not possibly be the right answer. Um, I, I can't tell her I feel this way. Right. And, and it's so interesting because when you get to the point where you know what you're looking for and you know what it feels like to listen to that voice, you can so clearly see when others aren't. And it's, Something that I think as far as coaching goes, one of the most rewarding parts of our profession is to be able to help people understand, listen to, and be able to communicate with that inner voice, to have a cohesive relationship and say, I love you. And I know that you're trying to protect me right now. And I'm going to push you aside and do this because this is what I want to do. Mm. Absolutely. And I think it's also, you know, you kind of got to break up somebody's truth chamber, you mm. know, because people go on, well, this is the right thing. It's absolutely the right thing. And then you, you kind of either just got to sow the seed of doubt in it. And you'll know, I mean, there's, you know, there's a, there's a technique called stacking, you know, and saying, well, mm -hmm. what's your, you know, what's your perception of failure? Say, I mean, you take any one of the topics you like and you go back to their first instance of, of failure you know, because something we can all resonate with, you know, and saying, well, failure to me is something I remember when I failed when I was doing something last week. And then I was doing something when I was 20 and then doing something when I was 10, doing something then when I was five. That's my first recollection of failure. And then if you change in the stack, so you, you take all these sort of 
all these understanding of what failure means and you say well okay if that meant failure this meant failure and you stack them all on top of each other and then you say what's your first instance of failure and it's like well i, I remember or i feel that i was five and this was all going on it's like well maybe if it wasn't failure maybe if it was misunderstanding maybe it was you know it was actually it was what you had to do it was a start or it was a comment and when you can change your past by looking at that in a different way, then suddenly your entire stack of what failure means falls apart. Your blueprint of, of what you believe is failure falls apart. And then suddenly you kind of go, well, if that's not what failure means, or are you saying, you know, would you say to a five-year-old that you failed? No, you wouldn't. You'd say you try again or you've done well. And by actually changing all these patterns, well, suddenly then people, you start getting light bulbs going off and it's going, well, maybe I'm not a failure. Maybe that's not what it means. You know, and it, it's actually confusing in many ways because people say, well, this was my truth and say, well, but maybe what if this is not the truth? Yeah. You know, and the only thing I think we can really know is that I don't know. I, to say I don't know is one of the most powerful things you can do. You know, it's just a saying, even how do I feel about that? I don't know. Let me ask. Yeah. I feel good. Thank you. You know, in a world where everybody is living in their own reality that is made through their perceptions and their beliefs and their experiences, it's impossible for us to know what is real, what isn't real. We only know what's real to us. And in a world where that exists, we're, we're in this society right now that is so ready to stand their ground and argue that somebody else is wrong when we're all living in our world that we've created based upon our experiences. Um, this was one of the most powerful things I learned as a criminal defense attorney, because I used to approach witness statements as how could you possibly think that? Like you have to be lying if you think this is what you saw. And the moment you realize that nine times out of 10 witnesses who say they saw something really think they saw something based upon their reality of the world. And maybe they did. Like once you realize that not everybody is out there to, um, mistakenly say something like that's their reality of the world, all of a sudden conversations change. Um, and, and that's something I would just wish existed more in the society that we're in right now. Hmm. That's true. It's, it's, you know, but we're all, we all walk around that all day long, right? It's going, yes. well, my truth, my truth is the right truth. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're sitting there going, well, my truth is the right truth. And, you know, and this is it as you know, people genuinely believe that, what they're doing is the right thing, you know, and mm -hmm. there's, there's some things that go on in the world and you're going, how could you possibly believe that? And saying, well, th but that's their beliefs. That's the journey yeah. that they've been on. That's all stacked up to saying that this is the right answer until yeah. it's not. Until exactly. you can actually, you know, and it's one of those beautiful things is saying, you know, the wiser you get, the less you say, you know, it's one of those things is saying, because I realize there's so many options or there's so many variants or there's so many you know sub conditions to everything that i couldn't possibly for one second saying i know because i don't yeah you know and, yeah. and it's so freeing when you say yeah I, I i know that i don't know as you say i saw that and it's like well if you believe that then okay yeah you know absolutely um i feel like i could have this conversation with you all day i love um the transparency and just authenticity of how you show up in a conversation. So I appreciate that. Um, if people want to continue this conversation, because unfortunately we don't have all day to talk, um, where can they find your book and where can they follow up with your podcast? Super simple. So the book is available on Amazon and all major outlets. So it's on paperback, hardback, Kindle, and uh, audible as well so that's for all my dyslexic friends out there um who love to listen <laughs> and not read so uh that was very important and in terms of for myself it's super simple so it's mightypeak.com and that's where you can get access to the mentoring you can get access to the podcast you can get access to uh all the wonderful things that are going on so yeah, yeah. and uh, and we'll have another book coming out very shortly as well 
Amazing. So we'll put all those links in the show notes so that people can track those down and be able to follow up on our conversation with you. Before we wrap up, I'd love to finish with a quick random round. Are you okay with that? Yeah, let's go. Okay, perfect. Um, if you could do anything other than what you're currently doing now, what profession do you think would be fun to attempt? I'd love to drive a combine harvester all the time. <laughs> yeah, if just cutting, cutting corn, just me in the world. I would love that. Okay. That is the first time I've ever gotten that answer. And as a girl who grew up on a farm, um, good for you. <laughs> that's, um, that's interesting. And <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Not very many people are like, I would like to work really hard if I could do anything else. Like I'd like to pick one of the hardest things to do. So um, good for you. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? Where would I go and why? Um, I'm curious about the future. I really am. I'd love to go to, you know, 2100 um, just to see how life got on, you know, and I have suspicions and feelings about where it could be. So yeah, twenty one hundred would be kind of cool. See a you know, see a new uh, century coming in, and you know, where technology got to, and where sort of humanity had got to in terms of who they are and if they'd learned. And yeah, so twenty one hundred would be a cool place to go. I think. Awesome. Um, if there is a book that you think every entrepreneur should read, what book is that? There's a number. I think probably a staple one for me is always Psycho Cybernetics, Matthew Maltz. Um, it's kind of, I think it's, whilst it's it's sort of written a while ago, I think it's also very modern. It has a lot of stories in it. I kind of call it the modern day version of thinking, think, um, thinking Grow Rich. Okay. So yeah, cybernetics, you know, Matthew Maltz, it's, it's very sound text. I, I must say I really like it. Awesome. And then the last question, and this is always self-serving for me um, because I'm a huge music nerd and I need to know what everybody else is listening to. What's your pump up song? What do you listen to to put yourself in a good mood? There's always one that's always there and it's probably ACDC Thunderstruck. Yes. Always, uh, you cannot go wrong with some ACDC in your life if you need to be pumped up. Being... If you did nothing more than do that, it'd be awesome. Yes. Um, it was amazing to talk to you. I love um, hearing your story, your background, your mission, the impact that you're making on the world. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share some of that with our audience today. Thank you. That's absolutely awesome. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that sounds like something that you're interested in the name of that facebook group is success center head over there request to join and i look forward to connecting with you soon